Ripmaster. Welcome to the Man Cave, where we're recording the Diz Dads podcast, episode number 24. Tonight, we're continuing our resort review series, looking at the Deluxe Lodge resorts, the Animal Kingdom Lodge, and Wilderness Lodge. With me tonight are David Nicely, the Duck 619. Hey, David. Hey, everybody. Eric Anderson, DEA on the boards. Hello. And Mark Harbison, Captain Oblivious on the boards. Hey, Mark. Is this thing on? This time, oh, this time it's on. <laughs> Yay. Good to hear. Well, gentlemen, um, you know, unusual for this podcast, but I do want to start out with a, a couple of housekeeping issues here. Um, there are some important and kind of exciting announcements that uh, we wanted to mention. The first is that just in the last couple of weeks, uh, we've gotten a, a basic structure put together for our first annual Diz Dads convention. Uh, we're targeting the week of uh, January or weekend of January 10th through 14th. Um, that's sort of an extended weekend. Uh, 10th through 14th, 2013, that is the same weekend as uh, Marathon Weekend. So if you're a runner, you can uh, come down with us and enjoy some Diz Dads, uh, you know, fun and and cheering and all of that along with your run. Uh, I know I'm not going to be running, but uh, there are a number of dads who will be. If you're not a runner, runner, you you can can sleep in. I'm, I'm glad. Say, if you're not a runner, you can stand on the sidelines conspicuously eating Dole Whips as the rest of the dads run past you. Ooh, if we could find an open Dole Whip stand early enough, that would be awesome. <laughs> I guess the the one at uh, uh, the Polynesian is is open, uh, not quite 24 hours, but it, it it ought to be open close to then. Um, but in any case, we'll get some more details out to you soon. Um, we're working on the details of a, a group booking for that, some special uh, group ticket pricing and, and things like that. Um, but we have to wait for Disney to release prices before we can release prices to you. So for now, um, you know, think about taking a, either a, a solo trip or a family trip the weekend of uh, January 10th through 14th, 2013. Um, In addition to the convention news, we also are pleased to announce that we have our first ever sponsor of the Diz Dads podcast. Uh, We're welcoming Fairytale Journeys Travel as the first sponsor of Diz Dads podcast. Uh, Fairytale Journeys is an authorized Disney travel planner, and uh, I and several of our podcast panelists have joined the Fairytale Journeys team as independent agents. Um, We'd love to help you put together your next magical Disney vacation. You can check us out at fairytalejourneys.com or the Fairytale Journeys by Diz Dads page at dizdads.com. We'll sweat the details so you don't have to. Um, Again, thanks to uh, Susanna Hayes and Fairytale Journeys Travel. Um, They're going to enable us to do some new, fun, interesting things with the DizDads.com website. Um, they're going to be helping us with the convention, and I think it's going to be a, a really good relationship for the podcast. So welcome, Fairy Tale Journeys. Uh, all right, so on to the, the main focus of this podcast. Uh, we wanted to talk about the lodge resorts. And first things first, why talk about these particular resorts together. Um, what is it that, that makes them a, a good pairing, aside from the fact that, you know, they have the word lodge in their name? Uh, first off, they were uh, designed by the same architect. Um, the, uh, uh, Peter Dominic designed both Wilderness Lodge and much later Animal Kingdom Lodge, uh, and as well as the Grand Californian out in uh, Disneyland. 
So that's, that's one thing that ties them in together. Right. And it's not just the same designer, but, but really the same, um, uh, I would say the same design aesthetic. Um, the, the lodges are, are unique and we'll talk about their kind of individual theming, but the same uh, sort of uh, grand design scheme, um, design on a large scale and very immersive uh, uh, design style is common to, to both lodges. Exactly. They are two, I think, of the most immersive uh, hotels at uh, Walt Disney World, probably along with the Polynesian. I'd say that those those three really uh, push the Disney aesthetic of of really deep theming to the limit there. They're also off the, the beaten path. Uh, the Animal Kingdom Lodges, uh, if I think the, from Magic Kingdom, and then Wilderness Lodge is sort of tucked away back off the monorail so they both kind of have a secluded feel about them yeah they're uh, they're basically built to to hit you with a jaw dropper of the lobby as you go in and kind of stun you with the uh the sense of awe at, at the detail and the the size and scale of it but uh david's right they they're the only two deluxe lodges or deluxe resorts on property that are a little bit further removed and i think they did that that way on purpose that most of the rest of the deluxe resorts are kind of arranged for convenience of, of getting you to the theme parks as quickly as possible. Whereas these two are built a little bit more like an escape from the hustle and bustle of the theme park in that you can really just kind of escape there for a day and enjoy the theming and just kind of almost feel like you're in your own little world at, at these resorts. Yeah. And you know, they're also set apart from the other deluxe uh, resorts by being actually, generally speaking, on a you know season by season comparison, a little bit cheaper um, price wise than the other deluxe resorts. Um, they almost fall sort of in between the moderates and and the deluxe, uh, the other deluxe resorts, and and it makes them accessible in some ways to to people for whom a deluxe resort stay might not otherwise be available. One caveat on that is that they also um, only allow four people in a room for occupancy. So if you have a family of five or above, it's a little bit trickier um, trying to find space there. So with the with the price comes limitations. That's true. That's true. Um, and we'll kind of talk about that a little more as we talk about um, the details. Although I, I guess this is a, a thing that, that the two lodges share and, and it's unique to the lodges. And that is that um, although you can only sleep four, there is a unique configuration of room that's available only at the Animal Kingdom Lodge and Wilderness Lodge. And that's the bunk bedrooms, which I think are a great option for families like mine, where we've got two kids and sharing beds with those kids is a challenge. I mean, you know, they're not going to share a bed together. They'll never fall asleep. And, you know, they're squirmy kids. So sharing a bed with either my wife or I, you know, somebody's stuck with John. And as I was just telling somebody today, uh, somehow John has figured out that, you know, the most comfortable place to rest his head is my eye socket. <laughs> yeah, I think that seems uh... to be common. <laughs> I think the bunk beds would give you some flexibility in that uh, changing the, 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 the standard feel 
uh, of being in just you know a, a regular hotel room that would add a little bit to the experience, especially for the kids. Yeah. However, my younger daughter, who has the least business being up in the top bunk, would insist on the top bunk. So uh, you've got to really make sure that you've got a, uh, the appropriate kid uh, wanting to be in the top bunk. Otherwise, you know, it's a big thump in the middle of the night. You definitely don't want. Yeah, I definitely, definitely put the bed rail in place. All my kids fight over the top bunk. So, you know, instead of fighting over stealing covers, they'd be fighting over which bed they're in. So at least you get a different kind of fight in these rooms. Yes, well, the, the key is to stay an even number of nights. And that way they can split them evenly. So those are things that are common to, to both resorts. Let's start kind of drilling in and looking a little clo little more closely at uh, each individual resort. Now, I want to start with the Wilderness Lodge since it's been around for so much longer. And uh, Mark, you're the one here who's, who has some firsthand experience there. Why don't you talk a little bit about the features of Wilderness Lodge that, that you most enjoyed staying there? Well, uh... I think right off the bat, it's just the theme of it that really grabs me. Um, it's basically themed uh, to look like an old style national park lodge. Uh, I believe it was designed after the uh, old faithful lodge in Yellowstone National Park and sort of reminiscent of, of that building there. So there's a, a lot of timber and uh, stone construction um, just to make you feel like you're, you're kind of out in the West. Uh, it's very rustic, and uh, they just go overboard, making you feel like you're you're somewhere in the American West. And uh, it's it hits you right off the bat with these huge tree columns holding up a, a seven-story lobby. Uh, there's totem poles in the lobby that are uh, you know drawn from the Pacific Northwest. There's uh, you know, people in, in costume for, for park ranger type outfits, all the, the cast members there. And uh, they even have the music playing, uh, I think, draws from quite a lot of Hollywood Westerns, the, the soundtracks from those movies. And so it hits you all up front with that, that uh, Western National Park theme. And it's just a, a beautiful, stunning lobby. Uh, they, uh, they carry that all through... Uh, the, the lobby through the rest of the resort. Um, if you go to the back of the lobby, there's a hot spring that uh, looks like something out of Yellowstone. It's, it's bubbling warm water coming up right in the middle of the lobby floor. They have a little wood bridge over it and it actually flows uh, outside the building and down into a stream. It forms a waterfall and then that waterfall carries the river straight into the swimming pool. So it's just really beautifully uh, themed and, and tied into that, that whole uh, national park idea. Um, and then uh, heading straight out the back towards Bay Lake, uh, they've even got their own geyser, which uh, is very faithful. For some reason, it seems to go off uh, you know, right at the top of the hour. It's amazing how how it happens. But, that's uh, that's pretty impressive. See, I thought you were going to say that you know it, it's time to go off you know exactly as you walk by every time. <laughs> well, not even Disney's that good, but <laughs> <laughs> that would be impressive. I've <laughs> right. got plenty of other water features that are timed exactly as you walk by. <laughs> I meant more as you personally walk by. <laughs> <laughs> I have a little remote control in my pocket that I have. But, there you go. <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, the, um, 
so it, that whole national park theme is, is beautifully done. There's there's pine trees and, and all sorts of plants that you wouldn't normally expect to find in Florida uh, as far as the landscaping. Um, there's uh, there's all sorts of activities to do. The, uh, the um, cast members are real good about uh, keeping kids involved. They uh, I remember we had a, a rubber duck race in the pool and, and little things like that. Um, there's a, uh, there used to be a ranger tour and I'm not sure if he still gives it cause I believe the original ranger who did it, uh, passed away, but, uh, they would give a tour of the lodge a few days a week and basically, uh, meet groups in the lobby and take you all around and show you all the different nuances that the architect built in as sort of the homage to national parks. Um, they also have a flag family. Every morning, uh, a family staying at the resort is chosen to be the the flag family, and they get to climb all the way to the top of the roof and uh, and raise the American flag uh, on the pole over the resort. And uh, from the pictures I've seen, you get a beautiful view of the Magic Kingdom from up there as well. So yeah, it's a lot of little touches like that. And and before you move on about that, uh, that's a really good tip. If you're interested in getting that chance, it's it's early morning. If you're getting up to be at a rope drop anyway, why not? Um, when you first check in, let them know that you're interested in being the flag family while you're staying there. And, uh, you know, it doesn't guarantee anything, but if you're staying, you know, six, seven, eight days, um, especially, and you let them know when you first check in that you'd like to be a flag family, you know, the, the chances are, are fairly reasonably good that, that, uh, you'll get the chance to do that. And it's kind of a unique experience. Absolutely. I, uh, we actually tried, um, but only, we were only staying like one or two nights, uh, both times we stayed there. So the chances weren't real good. And they always told us they had already selected somebody. So I think the longer stay might be key for that little uh, perk yeah or um, a bigger bribe <laughs> <laughs> yeah it wasn't in my budget <laughs> uh, the other thing i'll mention is the i don't know if you uh, want to get into restaurants now or not but they, well uh, let's let's just talk generally about the the food okay. offerings we'll talk more specifically at the end about restaurants in both these uh, resorts because I, I think there's some real gems um yeah. but but let's talk a little more generally about about what what your food options are um as i recall at the wilderness lodge you've got a, a quick serve uh location and then a, a couple of table service options yes yes that's correct they, it's basically kind of uh the, the quick service is, is people who need to get in and get out cafeteria style. The, uh, uh, that's the Roaring Forks. Um, uh, I'm blanking on that one. Roaring Forks uh, restaurant is the uh, quick service. Then they have Whispering Canyon Cafe, which is a table service place. And uh, that is the decidedly less formal option. <laughs> and uh, then they have uh, Artist Point, which is uh, for the uh, the gourmets that uh, really want the the fine dining and all that. Uh, you know, is uh, specialized game and and uh, and gourmet offerings there. I think that one of the things that that both of these resorts do really well is that they both offer a full range of dining experiences um, from you know the the counter service option, the single cr dining credit, if you're on the dining plan, uh, you know, table service restaurant, and then a, a high-end signature restaurant uh, is available at each of these resorts, and, um, you know, Artist Point at 
uh, Wilderness Lodge has been getting really excellent reviews, especially lately. So we've gotten kind of an, an overview there. Um, does anybody else have things that they want to add so far about Wilderness Lodge? I always thought one of the really cool things was besides the service, you have the the uh, water ferry, water taxi um, that can take you over to the Magic Kingdom, which um, isn't necessarily a really quick ride, but gives you some really beautiful views of the lagoon and of the Contemporary and the other monorail resorts. Well, actually, that's a terrific transition because really that's kind of where, where I wanted to go is to, to talk about for both the Wilderness Lodge and Animal Kingdom Lodge, the one concern that is frequently raised when you talk about these um, these two resorts is is the issue of transportation and the fact that, as we mentioned, they're a little more secluded. Um, they're not right next to uh, a theme park. And so you've kind of got us down that road uh, with the Wilderness Lodge ferry that will take you across to the Magic Kingdom. Um, hang on, before we move to transportation... I knew there was something we were going to miss. Before we move to transportation, um, there are a, a couple of other things about Wilderness Lodge that are unique and that really deserve a mention. Um, one is that one of the benefits of having such wonderfully detailed theming is that there are lots of opportunities for hidden Mickeys. And if you're interested in hunting for those hidden Mickeys, um, Wilderness Lodge kind of makes it easy to do that. Um, Mark, did you, did you actually do the scavenger hunt while you were there? Yeah, we did. Uh, we, it's pretty easy. You go up to the front desk and ask for the list uh, of hidden Mickeys and they basically have it done up like a little scavenger hunt with clues as to various hidden Mickeys you can find. And they're, they have you running all over the resort. If you need to tire out your kids, um, <laughs> it's a great way to do that. Uh, cause they'll, they'll get real excited and run all up and down the stairs and you'll, lose track of them and it's all a good old-fashioned family fun but uh they basically have all these little clues to find them um and you know there there's some uh I, I think there was one in the fireplace you had to look for there's uh some in the carpets some in the artwork uh in the various you know lounges and uh it's it's just a lot of fun for the kids uh, to do they go inside and outside it's very extensive and uh, they're not always real easy to find um another thing just a little thing that we took advantage of was they have a, uh, a hiking trail that runs from the Wilderness Lodge to the Fort Wilderness Campground around the lake. And it's a pretty easy walk. I believe it's less than a mile. And uh, my wife and I took that walk at one point and just went right into the campground and it dumps you out right by the, the main buildings there. Uh, the Trading Post and Pioneer Hall where the Hoop to Do Review dinner show is. Uh, the the uh, little ranch uh, where you can ride ponies and, and feed goats and, and that sort of thing. So you can very easily take advantage of a lot of the special things at Fort Wilderness as well by staying at the Wilderness Lodge. Well, and that's a, a good point because, you know, the, it really does open up a range of other recreational opportunities. I mean, in addition to the ones that you've mentioned, there are also some other um, special event kinds of things. There's, um, there's the uh, Mickey's Backyard Barbecue happens uh sort of in in that area um and is a um, less expensive character option 
if that's uh, uh, something you're looking to do. Uh, and then there's also the um, Chip and Dale's uh, Campfire Singalong, which is actually a free opportunity to, you know, hang out with characters. Uh, they're happy to take your money if you want to buy s'more supplies, but uh, if you want to bring your own, that works too. Um, we haven't tried that one yet, but my son has been begging me because uh, he is the world's biggest Chip and Dale fan. So aha, I'll, I'll say next time, Scotty, we'll get there. <laughs> well, you know, I, I'm thinking that 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 might be a, a candidate for a, a Diz Dad's convention uh, event of some sort. I mean, you know, feel a little sorry for Chip and Dale if uh, a, a, a you know massive. You know, twenty twenty-five Diz Dad's families were to descend on them, but uh, on the other hand, I think it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, the price. You is can great. see the newspaper headlines now. <laughs> Chip and Dale mobbed by Diz Dad's and families. <laughs> Diz Dad's banned from campground. <laughs> so, um, all right. Well, let's let's get back to this issue of of dealing with the lodges. Um, you know, being a little remote as compared to other uh, deluxe resorts. Um, it's it's a blessing and a curse, as as we've mentioned. Um, you know, the nice thing is that you are a little more secluded. You're kind of away from the hustle and bustle of theme park land. On the other hand, and this is the one complaint that I tend to hear about the lodges, is people say, ah, they're in the middle of nowhere. So let's talk about the transportation solutions that are available at both Wilderness Lodge and Animal Kingdom Lodge that sort of, you know, make the experience um, not such a, a big detriment, really, in my opinion. Um, so we start with the Wilderness Lodge, and, and um, David, um, you, you were going to talk a little bit about, you know, transportation options that, that you thought were interesting from the Wilderness Lodge. Yeah, we were big fans of the boat. We used to uh, go resort hopping. We haven't stayed at Wilderness Lodge before. Um, but I was intrigued by the fact that you could take the boat. Again, it's a little bit of a slower ride, but you get a chance to see a view of the different resorts, the Contemporary, the Polynesian, the Grand Floridian, from a view that you normally don't get to see on a hustle-bustle of getting on a bus. Um, so, you, you know, it's kind of a ride within itself. Um and they obviously, you know, have buses as well. Um, but instead of looking at it necessarily as a negative thing, uh, if you plan ahead, I think us uh, will get you where you need to go. And, and the boat especially could get you, you know, right at the front gates of the Magic Kingdom. Well, and, you know, I mean, Mark, <laughs> you, you kind of hit the nail on the head here. And I, we, we always... Just a little secret to our listeners. Um, we always chat as we're talking, and, and you know, one of the first things that, that popped up in our chat uh, was was Mark mentioning the issues that, uh, you know, shown up from time to time with the monorail and the waiting for clearance issues. You know, once you've waited for clearance a couple of times on your way around that loop, uh, the, the boat isn't really any slower, is it? The boat keeps moving, and, and a lot of us like, to, to keep moving, even if it's a little slower. <laughs> <laughs> just keep swimming. You'll, you'll just a, keep a, swimming. Exactly. It's why you'll you'll take a ten minute detour on a back road rather than sit on the highway, even though it might clear up, because you, you just want to move. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Wilderness Lodge. You know, first first option, you you you've got the boat that'll take you to um, Magic Kingdom, and 
realize that if you've got a boat that's taking you over to the Magic Kingdom, that's also going to get you access to um, the monorail from the Magic Kingdom. So you can actually, if you wanted to, take the boat to the Magic Kingdom, grab a monorail, and backtrack your way back around to also hit Epcot. And you can, there's also a launch that goes uh, directly over to the Contemporary Resort, which will save you a stop uh, on the monorail um, if you uh, hop over onto the, on the launch, go over to the Contemporary, pick up the monorail there, and you're, you know, you're saving a little time getting over to Epcot, but that's... Smart call. Um, yeah, good point. Um, and then, and then obviously, you know, the, the same buses are available from the Wilderness Lodge uh, that you would get at any other resort. Um, and Mark, do you remember, um, does the Wilderness Lodge share its buses with uh, Fort Wilderness at all, or is it all on its own uh, bus routes? Uh, I believe they have... They have it arranged so that uh, Fort Wilderness has a little bit of a, a shuttle bus that drops people off or carries people between Fort Wilderness and the Wilderness Lodge, if I remember correctly. It's been a few years, so I don't, I wouldn't take this as gospel, but I think they basically have the bus transport transportation arranged so that the Wilderness Lodge is kind of like the last pickup on that route and then the 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 first drop off, um, and then there's a little shuttle that runs between. Okay, so you may but share can, somewhat, but yeah, well, I would probably double check that though. I, it's like I said, it's been a few years since we did it, and so they do change the systems every once in a while. That's true, um, and actually, the buses, whether things are sharing buses, seems to change week to week, even um, in a lot of cases. Um, so that that kind of covers the transportation issues for Wilderness Lodge, and obviously, actually, Aaron, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I just want to mention one thing about the, the boat service over to the Magic Kingdom. Yeah. It does take you across the water bridge that goes between uh, Bay Lake and Seven Seas Lagoon, yeah. which is actually a, a bridge over a road uh, where the water, you know, the boats travel on water actually over cars, uh, which is an interesting feature that they had to build in to, to make all this stuff work with the boat transportation. Yeah, and I think it's a really cool experience, too, to, you know, be able to glance over the side and kind of see that. Being an engineer, I'm sure to point out the water bridge every time we cross it to my kids, so they kind of <laughs> roll their eyes at this point. Um, so that that kind of covers the, the Wilderness Lodge transportation issues. Um Animal Kingdom Lodge, you know, you, you hear the same complaint. It's in the middle of nowhere. Um, how, how do you respond to that? Uh, David and Eric, I know you both have stayed at Animal Kingdom Lodge. What did you feel like in terms of, of the availability of Animal Kingdom transportation? I thought the buses ran, you know, really well. Now, granted, going to the Magic Kingdom is a longer ride. Um, it could be anywhere from 15 to 25 minutes, depending on the amount of traffic. The nice thing is we stayed at Kidani um, within the Animal Kingdom Lodge. We were first to be picked up, also first to be dropped off. So in terms of going to any of the parks, you know, we essentially had first on the bus. Then it goes to the Jumbo House uh, to pick everyone else up. Animal Kingdom would be less than five minutes away. Uh, Epcot, 10 to 15 minutes, Hollywood Studios. 
Okay. Um, and, you know, one of the, the nice things, yeah, Kidani and, and Jombo share a bus, but generally speaking, you're not stopping at other resorts uh, and, and picking up more guests or, or you know, delaying your, your trip on to the theme parks uh, once you've, you've boarded at Animal Kingdom. Exactly. Right. And it's, a, it's a pretty quick trip between the two resorts, too, even on the bus. Uh, when we stayed there, we had a car, which was very helpful. But uh, the times that we did take the bus were uh, pretty quick. Uh, of course, it varies according to the distance, how far away you're going. Uh, Magic Kingdom, as David was saying, is a stretch. But I, I found that you know, the service was uh, really, really efficient out there. Um, they seem to always have uh, buses coming, and uh, we never had a problem catching a bus when, when we weren't driving. So neither of you felt like there was an issue by, you know, presented by transportation when you were staying at Animal Kingdom Lodge? No, I mean, you lose out on some of the, the sort of fancier Disney transportation, like the boats or... Uh, the monorail, but um, it's it's kind of the trade-off. I mean, you're out at a at a, sort of in the in the middle of a bunch of animals outside your resort, and uh, you certainly get a lot for that seclusion. And frankly, the seclusion is often a nice thing. Well, that that takes us actually perfectly to where uh, we needed to to go, which is to to start talking about some of these unique features of the Animal Kingdom Lodge that that make it, um, you know, a really unique resort opportunity at Walt Disney World. And uh, you know, Eric, why don't you kind of run with that a little bit and and talk about you know what it is that that makes it worth maybe having a twenty minute bus ride to the Magic Kingdom? Sure, uh, the uh, the first thing, obviously, is you've got animals outside the resort. You've got uh, a whole uh, slate of animals, of African animals out there on the various savannas uh, outside the, the resorts, both for Kidani and for uh, the Jumbo House. If you've got kids like mine who really, really love animals, you know, them waking up in the morning, looking out the, the sliding glass door of of the balcony and seeing a giraffe is a really, really great experience for them and a great experience for you when you see how happy it makes them. Um, in addition, I uh, don't want to jump the gun on the, the dining discussion, but I think they've got some of the best restaurants going on property out there and having those uh, local in your hotel is, is another great thing. Um, on top of that, it is a deluxe resort, so you've got a lot of amenities. You've got um, a lot of knowledgeable staff members. Uh, the times that we've been over to County Village, there was always uh, on the the sort of outcropping that goes out from the the resort out onto the savanna. There, there's always been a cast member out there, uh, generally from Africa, who's been uh, explaining things about the animals, uh, answering questions. And uh, it just it's it's an educational experience, in addition to uh, just being a really lovely setting. So what what would you say to people though, who say, you know, the problem with Animal Kingdom is that 
you know, it's in order to get what in order for it to be worth staying at the animal kingdom, I've got to, you know, cough up the extra money for the really expensive Savannah view, uh, because otherwise it's just like, I might as well stay at a moderate. Well, no, um, <laughs> I, have to, I have to disagree with that because the, the opportunities to, you know, get out there and experience, um, that, that setting, uh, those, those opportunities are, are many. You've got, um, You've got balconies that face them uh, at every sort of elevator junction. They've got um, they got big windows looking out over uh, either uh, the Savannah or, in one case, I guess on the the Zebra Trail, it, one looks out over the the pool area, where they also have a lot of flamingos hanging out around the pool. Um, well, and, so and you've got the opportunity to see that see those there. Um, you know, in addition, it, it is a it is still a deluxe resort. So you've got more room out there than in a moderate resort. And as I said before, uh, all availability of all those um, other amenities, like the, the, um, the restaurants um, and uh, sort of the, the having access to the cast members all the time to uh, answer questions that you might have. Well, and, and David, your family actually stayed in a, um, at Animal Kingdom Lodge, not in a Savannah View room. Um, did you feel like you missed out on something? Not, not at all. As Eric said, every chance you get, the animals are almost there. Um, getting on and off the elevators, large windows, walking to the lobby, um, you know, big panoramic windows. They have two porches at Kadani on each side of the lobby with rocking chairs. So you could sit out there for hours on end um, so we could get down there a little early, spend 10, 15 minutes for the kids to look at the animals. Coming back at night, they have free night vision goggles. So you could go out there. They have a fire in the fire pit. As, as Eric mentioned, they have a cast member to tell you about all the animals. And then you get night vision goggles. So you can see all the animals, you know, still out there. They sleep out there at night. There are, there are tremendous opportunities, even without a Savannah view, to get an I don't necessarily say encounters, but opportunities to view these animals that are much better than what you would, would get at the Animal Kingdom Park on the 15-minute safari ride. Well, and I, one, one other thing, I uh, just wanted to mention that the best view you get of the animals is uh, either going out onto those uh, outcroppings that kind of stretch out into the savanna. Uh, you get a much better view than from any room in the resorts or the other best view is actually from uh, Sanaa. Uh, if you're at a, at a window in the Sanaa restaurant, uh, you see we had, you know, zebras having their dinner right outside uh, the window that we were beside when we were having our dinner. Which is probably much better than, you know, having a lion have their dinner right next to you while you're having your dinner. As long as they're on the other side of the glass, that's, that's all I'm, I'm concerned about. Yeah, and as long as it's provided by the keeper and it's not a zebra. Um, <laughs> so, as long as the lion's not having you for dinner, then you're in real good shape. This is true. Other side of the glass. It's mutual of Omaha right at your dinner table. Now, you know, I, I don't want people to get the wrong impression either that the only reason to stay at Animal Kingdom Lodge is, is the Savannah view or the view of the animals because what we haven't really talked about yet is the the theming of the lodge itself uh, aside from what's happening you know on the other side of the glass 
Sure, but it is, it lots is of, uh, a African unique thing. I mean, that, that's something that you don't get anywhere else in the in the United States. You don't get really get anywhere outside oh, of Africa. Yeah, so no it, question. It is, it is a big selling point. No question that it's an amazing opportunity and it's unique. But, you know, even – well, I guess what I'm trying to get at is that, that even if, you know, the animals on the savanna isn't a huge attraction to you, um, Animal Kingdom Lodge – actually can still be a, a good resort choice for you just based on the the theming and atmosphere of the resort itself. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, one, the amount of, the amount of art and artifacts that they have um, give it a really um, nice feel. You're not bombarded with lots of different things. So it's very visual, uh, visually pleasing as you're walking around. Um, the amenities in terms of the pools, they do a really nice thing over at Kidani. Instead of having row upon row upon row of the lounge chairs, they're actually separated, and then they're separated again by like rows of palm trees. So there's a little bit of privacy there. Uh, Kidani has a water park with uh, water guns, water slides, waterfall, so that are swimming the kids are over here playing in this water park and you don't have this overcrowded feel in the pool um, you know at an all-star or at the Caribbean beach resort and you know like we mentioned um, the designer of the Animal Kingdom Lodge is the same designer who designed Wilderness Lodge and and he brought a lot of that same design aesthetic to the Animal Kingdom Lodge um, you know, he, he wasn't trying to recreate the Pacific Northwest at the Animal Kingdom Lodge. Uh, he was really probably more focused on a, uh, the idea of a maybe an, a, you know, African safari hunting lodge kind of, of concept. Um, although, you know, probably more of a hunting lodge on steroids. But, um, you know, it, br- it brought some of that same majestic, um, oversized theming into the Animal Kingdom Lodge as you find at Wilderness Lodge. Absolutely. Just walking in and seeing the, the uh, well, I'll talk about the view again, but the huge just wall of glass windows out the back of the resort is, is a really amazing sight. And uh, just going along with the, the you know, vaulted ceiling in the, in the lobby, uh, it really gives an amazing scale to the place. And of course, when we talk about Animal so, Kingdom, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. There's lots of outdoor brought in too, you know, at the lobby at both places, there's thatching, you know, that you would see represented in terms of traditional African huts. They bring a lot of those same elements in. Stone uh, is brought inside along with the woods, um, the carvings on the uh, staircases, you're going down uh, at either Jamba House or Kadani, you know, have intricate carvings. Um, there may be a screen with, with uh, my new animal, you know, kind of cutouts into it where it's not just screaming cartoonish out to you, but they bring a lot of just fine details that you would expect in a deluxe resort. And, and plenty of hidden Mickeys too. Absolutely. Uh-huh. 
Um, well, you know, when you talk about Animal Kingdom Lodge, you also really have to talk about the restaurants there. Um, we, we touched on the Wilderness Lodge restaurants. Let's go ahead and start talking about Animal Kingdom Lodge restaurants, and then we'll kind of talk about all of them together. Um, but Animal Kingdom Lodge offers, uh, seems to me, more dining opportunities than any other resort its size on property um, because you got the Mara Quick Serve, uh, and then you actually have three table service restaurants right there um, on property, although you've got, uh, you know, one at, at Kanani and then the other two in, in Jombo House. Um, the newest is Sanaa at Kadani Village. And then um, you have Boma, the buffet restaurant, and uh, the signature restaurant, Jico, at, um, at Jombo House. And they each are a little bit different and, and unique and uh, offer some, some really interesting opportunities, dining opportunities, uh, at Animal Kingdom Lodge. Um, I think this is a good time to kind of transition to talking about food. It, you know, hard to get a, a group of dads together and, and not talk about eating. So um, I know I've eaten at Boma. Um, is that, who else has eaten at Boma? I have. Okay, so just Eric and I. Um, I. I will say that one of the things that I really appreciate about Boma is that it offers a nice combination of unique, different tastes, um, you know, African flavors that are incorporated into many of the buffet items, but also having some comfortable, you know, standard American fallback places or fallback options if those African tastes are a little too exotic. Uh, and really what it meant was that, that adults who were willing to be a little adventurous or even kids who, ha- who are more adventurous um, get an opportunity to, to try those kind of African flavors without it being impossible for the pickier eaters to find something to eat. Um, yeah, absolutely. With, as with any buffet restaurant, you've got uh, sort of the, the great equalizer for uh, you know, finicky palates. There's, there's going to be something on there that uh, just about anybody's going to like, uh, whether it's uh, you know, the, the fancier, more exotic stuff uh, or sort of the middle of the road, you know, kids' mac and cheese. Uh, some, everybody's going to have something that they're going to be able to eat there, even if it, uh, if, even if some of the dishes are going to be, uh, spiced a little differently from what you might get other places. Well, I would say that the highlight for me of, of Boma, uh, well, I'm going to point to two things. Um, one is that we really appreciated that with such a variety of, of food there and a lot of it somewhat unfamiliar, um, my wife doesn't eat pork or shellfish. And so we let them know that. And in just minutes, despite the restaurant being really busy, the chef was out at our table had us get up and the chef sort of personally guided us through what was on that buffet and pointed out to my wife what she could eat, what she couldn't eat. Um, and I, I know that they do that for people with uh, food allergies and, and things like that all the time, but it, it just was really, you know, done wonderfully. Um, it was with done with a smile. Nobody was 
annoyed at us or anything like that. It was, uh, the chef really took it as an opportunity to, um, you know, show off his wares and, um, uh, was really interested in, in helping her find the things, find things that she could eat and enjoy that, um, wouldn't be a problem for her. Yeah. Disney does a wonderful job with, uh, any dietary concerns you might have. And it's, it's, I think it's useful here to make the point that just let them know what your limitations are, what your, your likes or dislikes are, what your allergies are. And they will, they're going to work with you. They will bend over backwards. They will go back and they will make something for you in a lot of cases. Uh, I think at just about any of the sit down restaurants, yes, uh, anywhere on Disney property, they will, they will cook up something for you that will work for you. But there's a thing you've just got to let them know and, and they will take care of it. Yeah. Well, so uh, that having been said, I, I think that to me, what was most impressive was, and this seems strange from this huge buffet, but was an array of really unique and interesting soups. Yeah, those are, those are great. My daughter found a, a mushroom soup there that uh, she could not stop eating. See, I liked the butternut squ- butternut squash soup, and there was also a like a peanut soup of some sort that was really good. And they rotate through, so you're not getting the same variety every day. So if if you find one that you really like, you might have to call them to to make sure it's going to be on the menu. Although they have in the past, you know, even though it wasn't on the menu, they have made up. Yeah, uh, pulled something out of the back. Yeah. <laughs> um, now. I will say what I hear is that, that Boma of late has been a little hit and miss. Um, I think every Disney restaurant kind of, you know, is a little cyclical. Um, Boma has been really popular for a while. And um, I, I think it, it, it may have sort of maxed its capacity a little bit lately. Uh, and so the, the food may have been a little uneven. Um, our experience was mostly positive. Um, but you know, I've heard mixed reports lately. Yeah. I, I ate there was it last May and, um, the, the food was okay. I thought they made some questionable choices with some of the, the options that they laid out. Um, they, they have a, you know, a small salad bar there. Every dressing that they put out was some kind of vinaigrette dressing. So, uh, it may be curious as to why that choice was made. Right. Uh, it seems like it, it seems like somebody wasn't really thinking through uh, the fact that you know maybe not everybody likes a lot of vinegar on their salad. But um, you know, aside from that, it, it I was still able to find food on the buffet that I liked. Uh, it just it's just some of those things just struck me as odd. Right. Uh, and that may that may speak to you know, maybe being over capacity, maybe. Um, just trying to appeal to sort of a lowest common denominator, kind of shying away from being more adventurous. Uh, it's it's hard to say, but right. and it may, it may have just been a, an off night. Somebody just you know forgot to double check the dressings, but uh. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's kind of Boma. Um, it's it's um, a large restaurant. It's a bustling restaurant, but uh, I thought it was really kid friendly and and overall, like I said, up and down a little bit on the food, but overall a good experience. Um, now the other restaurant that's right there in 
in in Jumbo House is Jico, which is a signature restaurant, and it's gotten a lot of press lately because it's had a, a new chef come in in the last year. And one of the things that the new chef did was, um, much to the the shock of the fan community, um, he he changed up one of the sort of signature dishes there at Jico, and um, replaced the. Uh, mac and cheese that was served with the filet um with a, a another side a, a potato dish um although from what i hear the the secret is just to ask because the same macaroni and cheese is still on the menu it's just on the kids menu and so if you ask they can still do the filet and uh macaroni and cheese that everybody raved about for several years so just a tip. But and that may be the only reason he's survived this long. <laughs> well, you know, the reviews of the food have continued to be very positive. Um, it's just sort of one of those things. It was a, a favorite on the menu, and it disappeared. Um, if I remember right, Eric, you had a, a really interesting experience with uh, one of the things that, that I think is really special about Jico. Um, Jico kind of features the flavors and, and uh, especially wines of uh, South Africa. And along, and sort of in furtherance of that, they do these regular um, wine tastings. They do indeed. They've got um, – their, their wine list is uh, – just exclusively South African wines. And on Wednesday afternoons at three o'clock, they run a wine tasting at Chico before, before they set up for dinner. They, um, the sommelier there um, comes out and we did this back in May and we had about a dozen people around the table for the wine tasting. Uh, There were three, bottles of wine on the table, all from South Africa. Um, uh, we each had a, a decent sized pour in, you know, three glasses. So, um, it was, it was set up really well beforehand, um, lovely table. And, uh, the sommelier started talking about the South African wine in- industry, where it started, how it came to be what it is today, the changes that have happened over the years, and a little bit about, uh, the kinds of of grapes that they grow, uh, their, uh, and the way sort of the, the output of the region is changing. Um, so uh, then we got down to tasting wine. Uh, <laughs> there were, uh, uh, a couple of whites, white wines and, and a red wine at our tasting. Uh, one of the, the white wines is one that Jico bought out the entire run from the, the winery of this one particular wine. So the only place to get it is at Jico. Um, so that, that was kind of a treat. Uh, each one of the wines I believe was, uh, sorry, let me backtrack a second and, and tell you that uh, it costs $25 a person to do the wine tasting. Um, you get, like I said, you're, you're tasting three different wines. Um, you are also, as we kind of walk through the wine tasting, um, one of the chefs came out from the back with a huge marble slab full of the artisanal cheeses that they serve at Jico on their appetizer menu and uh, talked about each one and invited us to have as much as we liked. And, you know, even with a dozen people around the table, there were, there were still a few 
you know, cheese cubes left over at the end. Uh, so it was it was quite quite a big slate of cheese. Yeah. So at, well, at twenty five dollars at at twenty five dollars for what amounts to three glasses of wine and an appetizer, um, it sounds that sounds like a, a pretty reasonable price, especially considering that you're also getting, you know, that that sort of you know education from the sommelier as well. But wait. So after we finished our glasses of wine, he would ask if we wanted more of the wine. So uh, among the, I guess it was actually 10 or 11 people at the table, uh, we went through uh, six bottles of wine total. Um, The wines were all, I think, $43 a bottle uh, on Disney, on Gico's wine list. So you figure each person had about a half bottle of wine for the wine tasting. So basically you're, you're almost breaking even just on the wine. Uh, plus the artisanal cheese plate, I think is like, I think $12 or so at Chico, something like that, maybe a little bit north of that. But um, it, it actually ends up being a, a pretty good return on your investment uh, in addition to you know, getting, getting that education you were talking about. Um, you're, you're really, I think, finding a bargain if you do this. Um, yeah. I think it really. I, 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 I'm thinking more and more that this is a stop that I'm going to need to make next time. This is this this is sounding more and more like the thing that we need to you know have the kids do the the childcare for the evening and and you know the, this needs to be the adult outing. Actually, just to let you, I mean, it's uh, we we um, called to book this, and we were there with our children. They had a table set up for the kids off to the side, um, and the kids set over there colored came over showed us their you know pictures that they were drawing um stole fruit and cheese from us during the wine tasting <laughs> and uh the the staff were happy to accommodate that so they uh that was another really really nice touch wow that sounds like a great opportunity um the other table service restaurant at Animal Kingdom Lodge is Sanaa uh, which has quickly gotten a reputation. Uh, I've heard, you know, several you know, Disney fans who are, are regulars at the parks and regulars in the Disney restaurants started have started referring to Sanaa as their favorite restaurant on property. That that was probably me. It's definitely my favorite uh, one table service credit restaurant on property. No uh, doubt. You're not the only one. Um, I think it was uh, Todd Perlmutter who mentioned that uh, he's a big Sanaa fan. Either he or, or Matt Hotchberg. It might even be both of them. But uh, uh, in any case, Sanaa, talk just a little bit. Give us a quick overview of, of Sanaa's approach. You know, what makes them different than the other restaurants at Animal Kingdom? Well, they their menu runs more toward Indian dishes that, with some African influences than um, the more straight-up African cuisine that you see at Bulma and I think to a lesser extent at, at Gico. Um, yeah, they've got the... Uh, it's pretty much the the sort of standard Indian restaurant feel to the dishes. Like there's, you know, basmati rice... And uh, um, sort of the curry sauces for some of the dishes, uh, the non bread, which is really good there. And uh, their 
they seem to let me try to explain this the way I think about it is uh, they're a very new restaurant and they're trying to find uh, their, or sorry, they haven't really found uh, that thing that happens when a Disney restaurant gets, um, gets a certain point and they just kind of do the same thing all the time. They're, uh, they seem to be constantly innovating. They actually put dishes on the menu last year that are, were spicier than the other than the stuff that they have on the, had on the menu before, which is the exact opposite of what happens in most Disney restaurants. It seems to uh, generally be a rush toward the uh, you know, least exotic thing that they can put on the menu. So uh, I think they're still they're innovative. Um, they do things that uh, you just won't see in any other restaurant on Disney property. Um, you were talking before about you know, speaking of the chef at Boma. We were talking to the the chef at Sanaa when we were there, uh, first year we took our girls there, our younger daughter was a picky eater and she was even turning up her nose at the Disney pizza. Uh, we got our pizza at Sanaa and she devoured it. So we talked to the chef about, you know, what magic he was doing to make it so palatable to a finicky eater. It turns out that instead of, you know, popping it out of a plastic bag and putting it in a microwave, like some other Disney restaurants do, they make the pizza fresh with the non-dough and fresh ah. mozzarella and tomato sauce uh, and, you know, fire it in, in the ovens that they use for the non-bread. So it's uh, it's one of these things where they could do it easier, but instead they, they choose to enroll right. a product for the kids even that uh, is, a, is really uh, a, a gourmet experience more or less. Yeah, that's really impressive. And of course, you know, you can't talk about Sanaa without talking about the fact that it, it may have the best view of any restaurant in, in all of Disney property uh, with the possible competitor of, of Cinderella's Royal Table. Uh, because when you're at Sanaa, you, you have that, you know, as you were talking about, that nose-to-nose almost experience with the, the animals on the savannah that are right next to those windows, um, which, by the way, just a tip, uh, especially if you're traveling in the off-season when the night comes sooner, um, Sanaa is a great lunch choice because if you call, if you go at night, at a certain point it gets too dark and the windows reflect instead of allowing you to see through. And they don't have night vision goggles there for you. Right, right. Oh, but yeah, that's a good tip. Even Even... You know, at other times, you want to make an earlier reservation if you can, just so you get sort of the maximum viewing time. Um, and then, of course, uh, I, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time talking about quick service, but the Mara as a reputation is one of the better quick services um, of the, the various resort quick service restaurants. And um, one of its sort of little bonuses, you know, the the... Polynesian at Captain Cook's, their little bonus is that they have the Dole Whip machine. Um, at the Mara, they have the uh, probably most popular uh, dessert item from the uh, Animal Kingdom restaurants, and that is the uh, well-known zebra domes. Uh, this is an adults-only dessert because it's made with alcohol, uh, but quite tasty. And you can get those at the Mara. They are delicious. I walked all the way over from Kidani to Mara to pick up about uh, two cases of the zebra domes and bring them back to the room. (laughs) 
that's almost enough zebra dumbs to give you a buzz. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was one of those things early in the morning before everybody woke up, so I wanted to make sure I got my share first. <laughs> yeah, this, this might last you a whole hour. <laughs> uh, all right. And, and we don't want to forget the Wilderness Lodge restaurants, which we kind of glossed over. Um, Wilderness Lodge offers some really terrific restaurants, starting with uh, Roaring Forks Quick Serve. I don't know that it gets as positive reviews as, as the Mara does, but, uh, you know, Mark, what, what did you think of the food at, at Roaring Forks? Well, I, uh, sometimes I wonder where the, the bad reviews come from, I guess, because I'm not really, you know, a true foodie or gourmet. I, I don't know if you I can really, be a foodie of counter service or a, a gourmet of, uh, counter service restaurants. So, well, it's just cause I, I read the, uh, the reviews that come in and people trash different places and all and, and roaring forks, I don't think it's trashed, but it, it does get some, some negative reviews from time to time. And honestly, I've, I've never had a bad meal on Disney property. Um, you know, maybe my expectations are lower than other people. I don't know, but have you been um, to Tony's Roaring... Town Square? I have. Didn't I didn't have a problem there? So maybe uh, you know it could be that my tastes are you know I, I might be like the rats in Ratatouille, just eating whatever's in front of me, you know. But <laughs> just just hork it down. <laughs> um, in any case, uh, Roaring Forks was fine. It's uh, it's not large. Uh, if that's probably my one complaint is that uh, if if it's busy, it gets very crowded very quickly. It's it's fairly small space, um, but it's just your standard counter service. You can get some pizza, burgers, um, you know, the typical cafeteria meal, and uh, it was fine. There's I wouldn't call it you know. The greatest meal I've had on property, but I certainly didn't hesitate to eat there and had no problem with it. So, so that's the, the quick serve option. Um, you know, one step up from that is uh, Whispering Canyon Cafe, which is a really wonderful, unique uh, dining experience at Walt Disney World. The the food is sort of, uh, you know, your your Western Trail food, I guess, is is the way that they present it. Um, but it's really the the atmosphere in the restaurant that sets it apart, I think, more than anything else. Um, you know, it's it's uh, I guess a, a little bit akin to the experience of uh, '50s prime time at Hollywood Studios. Um, the your server kind of takes on a persona, and in addition to that sort of fun persona that they're going to put you on the spot sometimes, they're going to kind of play games with you. There's always a lot going on. It's a busy restaurant. Yeah, Whispering Canyon is is the one restaurant I would wholeheartedly recommend um at the wilderness lodge i have not tried artist point so you know i i can't say whether i recommend that one or not but whispering canyon I, we've been to i think three times now we keep going back because my family loves it there uh the food is is very good they have a sort of a, a buffet barbecue meal it's a basically a family style skillet where they bring out all sorts of barbecued meat and mashed potatoes and the trimmings and all and and uh, it's very good. Um, but really, like you said, you're going for the experience. The servers there uh, basically are there to mess with you for the entire <laughs> meal. <laughs> um, do not go here if you want a quiet meal. Do not go here if you want a romantic meal. Uh, if you want to, if you're okay having fun and okay, uh, you know, getting teased and, and maybe, you know, teasing back. 
uh, or if your kids really enjoy seeing you get teased, then this is absolutely the place for you. The, the servers are great. And I'm kind of torn because I have so many great stories of the stuff they did to us, and yet I don't want to give away all the gags uh, that they repeat on different people. Uh, if, you know, if people are listening and haven't tried this restaurant out yet, I think it's best if they go in blind, not knowing what to expect. Um, I, I'll just say generally, um, you know, I, everybody's a little different, but but I know that, that when I'm eating from my skillet, I, I think it's imperative that you need some ketchup. Make sure to ask your, your server for some ketchup. Um, and plenty of napkins and straws as well. That's true. And invariably, somebody at the table drops a fork. This is true. That that did happen a couple times at our table, and uh, we did have to uh, make amends for that as well. <laughs> and, um, and, and, you know, even though they serve your drinks in these really cool mason jars and they refill them for free, invariably there's somebody who insists that they need a large drink. Yes, yes, Uh I, I've asked for that and haven't had the experience yet, but I've seen it happen at other tables. So uh, it's it's definitely worth asking for a large. It, you know, if you're very thirsty, you just need it. That's right. Um, the other thing, I'm trying to think, they have, uh, I would definitely suggest talking on your cell phone at the restaurant. Um, try and get as many calls or send as many texts as you can. Okay. Uh, that's very important. And uh, also definitely let them know if you have a birthday. Uh, they have a very special birthday celebration as well. Yes. Yes, they do. <laughs> they do have some stuff that I can give away. Uh, the kids really enjoy it. They usually, um, maybe every hour or hour and a half, they'll have a uh, stick pony race around the restaurant. And so they invite all the kids to go get a stick pony and basically ride around. Um, and uh, believe it, my last dinner, uh, we had one server who made everybody get up and uh, led the entire restaurant in the uh, doing the hokey pokey, which was very exciting as well. So, as I said, a very romantic place. <laughs> now, I want to I want to add, and this is I think really important. Um, you know, we went uh, to to Whispering Canyon Cafe on our travel day last year. Uh, and so it was our you know first night. We'd had kind of a long travel day, um, and it was just kind of our our the start to our trip. We thought this was a good way to get things going. And as we walked in, I was getting nervous because, uh, you know, my wife was kind of tired and cranky and, and my son, the youngest was kind of tired and cranky. And I, I was a little concerned about how they were going to react, but I want to give the server there just all the credit in the world because they do a wonderful job of getting a sense of what your table is really up for and they'll you know tease you and play with you and all of that as much as you want them to um when it became clear that my son didn't want to play that he wasn't in the mood for it you know our waitress recognized that she backed off a little bit from him you know directed her attention elsewhere and he ended up kind of warming up to it as we went but you know it's the kind of thing that that if it's done poorly, you can end up having had a, a bad experience, but it was handled so well that we had a great time, we loved it, the kids loved it, and we'd love to go back. Absolutely agree. They do an incredible job of, of reading the table and knowing uh, basically who, who has a sense of humor and who doesn't. Yeah. Um, 
but I will say, if if you don't have a sense of humor, why are you eating at Whispering Canyon Cafe? I, I don't this is that. true too. This is true too. Um, oh, and and any discussion of Whispering Canyon Cafe, I, I have to mention. Um, I I decided that I was going to skip dessert for this meal, even though they've got some good desserts, because I ordered a milkshake. Now, that may not seem like a big deal, except a milkshake at Whispering Canyon Cafe is a bottomless milkshake. And not only is it a bottomless milkshake, it's a bottomless milkshake that changes flavors whenever you want it to. Mm, bottomless milkshake. Oh. It was so good. I had both a chocolate milkshake and a strawberry milkshake. Both of them were excellent. And uh, I definitely think I made the right choice. Thanks for making me feel like a pig because I had a bottomless milkshake and dessert. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I drank enough milkshake that, you know, there was no room there between that and the skillet. I was defeated. Um, and then, uh, you know, so that that's the, the kind of raucous restaurant at Wilderness Lodge. In addition, Wilderness Lodge has a signature restaurant, as we mentioned earlier, Artist Point. Um, much quieter much uh you know this is this is where date night belongs probably rather than uh whispering canyon and uh uh eric i think you ate at artist point not too long ago i did it was back in uh november i believe uh went over there with my wife uh we were down there by ourselves and uh and yeah the the servers there take on a persona just like at whispering canyon canyon cafe although their persona is a nice server so uh, there's there's less humiliation involved um <laughs> the uh the menu sort of leans toward uh food from out west uh their signature menu item is the cedar planked salmon they've also got um they've got a steak they've got uh, venison on the menu usually and uh i had a uh uh, and as Mark says, they have buffalo, so that's uh, um, a bit a bit exotic for for Florida, um, even though it stays within the the continental United States. Yeah, uh, unlike unlike the restaurants over at uh, Animal Kingdom Lodge, it's a it's a different kind of exotic. Right, but um, it's it's you know it, it's an excellent signature restaurant. The uh, services is uh, top notch. We found. Again, we were just there once, and maybe we caught them on a good night, but uh, I was very pleased with my meal. I had uh, whatever the, the special was for that night, and uh, uh, definitely enjoyed it. Good, but not memorable. Uh, whatever the special was, yes. Uh, <laughs> again, there may have been wine, so. This is true. Well, I, you know, I, I'm a big fan of Buffalo. I think it's a great uh so great alternative to beef uh and especially when it's done right and uh everything i hear is that uh uh you know they do know how to do it right there um so anybody have anything else that they want to add about either um wilderness lodge or animal kingdom lodge as we kind of wrap things up i didn't want to add one Aaron, more thing, was... but... <laughs> sounds like everybody ahead, has eric. something to add eric go <laughs> ahead uh thanks mark um, I just wanted to uh, go back to the Animal Kingdom Lodge, and uh, we talked before about how there may be things on the menu that were on the exotic side. Um, 
every day at four o'clock, they do a culinary tour of Africa, uh, starting at the, uh, at the host desk at Boma. They take you around to Boma and you get to sample one of the soups and one of the desserts. And following that, they take you over to Chico, uh, where they talk a little bit about uh, what they have at the restaurant. They show you the, show you the menu for the evening and you get to have the, uh, the flavors of Africa. It's a you know, bread and dips appetizer there. And this is all uh, free. Unusual to hear that at Disney, but it's, it's free. And so uh, if you have any uh, you know, concerns about what the food's like, they'll you know, answer questions for you. You get to see what's, what's on offer. You get to try a little bit of the food that's on offer there. And uh, just for investment of, you know, 30 to 40 minutes of your time at, at most, that's if you ask a lot of questions. So, and, you know, if, if you have no problem with the food at those places, then it's also, uh, you know, a nice way to get a snack <laughs> before that your dinner. So does sound like a pretty great uh, little, uh, you know, happy hour snack. Exactly. Okay. And uh, Mark, there was something you wanted to add as well. I was just thinking of odds and ends of the Wilderness Lodge. And uh, first, at Artist Point, while you're there, um, if you do eat at that restaurant, um, you can ask for a table, try and sit by the window where you can look out on the waterfall um, just for an extra special spot. They also have beautiful murals up on the ceiling or towards on the walls, but up high, you know, above your head that uh, are reminiscent of, of some of the great uh, American painters like, a you know, the ones that usually do the West, like a Charles Russell type, uh, you know, Western paintings that are, that are really beautiful there. Um, just little details that could make for an extra special evening. Um, the other things I was going to mention were just a couple little tidbits. If you take the uh, two minute walk from the main wilderness lodge building over to the villas of the wilderness lodge, uh, the D DVC resort there, uh, the, the main building there has a room that has some artifacts of Walt Disney's old model train collection. Ah, uh, good um, point. I'm glad you mentioned that's kind that. Of an, it's a neat little spot just to check out and, and see the pictures and, and some of his model trains uh, that he actually owned. Uh, and the other thing I thought of was that uh, out on the beach every night, the uh, electric water pageant uh, does come by the Wilderness Lodge as well every night. Yeah, see, and, yeah, and, and I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of the electric water, water pageant. I mean, I, I think too many people don't even realize that it exists, and I absolutely love it. It's, it's you know, from an original, it's an original attraction of Walt Disney World. Um, it was part of the grand opening and, and of, of, you know, sharing uh, the opening of Walt Disney World with the press and everything right at the beginning. It's essentially unchanged since then, so it's it's a bit of nostalgia. But I, I just think it's beautiful. Um, and uh, I, I don't think a trip is complete without at least one good viewing of the uh, electric water pageant. Yeah, I agree. It's one of those few things that hasn't changed over the years. So, uh, and, you know, a lot of things do change at Disney, but that's one of the ones that's, that's stayed the same. Well, you've heard what we think about the uh, Wilderness Lodge, Animal Kingdom Lodge, the, the Lodge Deluxe Resorts at Walt Disney World. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at podcast at disdads.com. Visit our website, disdads.com. Tweet us 
at DizDads Podcast on Twitter. Participate in the discussions in the DizDads subform of the Disney for Families forum at disboards.com. Um, I would recommend you pay attention to DizDads.com. We'll have lots more information about the uh, January 2013 DizDads convention that'll be coming out on the uh, DizDads.com website. And we also have some exciting new features that uh, we've got coming in the next couple of months to uh, DizDads.com. So thank you for listening. And until next time, this is Aaron Ripmaster, and I've been uh, here with uh, David Nicely. Eric Anderson, and Mark Harbison. Thanks for listening. And we're out. This has been a Wizard of Haas production.